Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. This series that we've been in, this is part four of the Lord's Prayer. And you're like, okay, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, this is totally different than just the Lord's Prayer. We have quoted this uh, at ball games. We've quoted it at schools. We have done it so much in life, funerals. It's very popular. But a lot of times we are praying something that we don't know. And we have looked at this from the fact that the disciples are asking Jesus how to pray. They did not ask Jesus how to preach. They didn't ask how to be a good apostle or a good pastor or a good disciple. They asked how to pray because good prayer makes great preachers. Good prayer time makes great teachers and great disciples. Prayer is very vital to the life of the Christian. We know that. But also we call this the Lord's Prayer, and really it's a prayer that the Lord himself can't pray because he can't ask for forgiveness. So it's a prayer really for the disciples. It's a prayer for you and I. We are disciples. If we, you are in Christ, you are considered to be a disciple. So it's a prayer for us. And Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 9, In this manner, therefore pray. That's what he said. He said, In this manner, therefore pray. Week 1, the Father is what we looked at because it's a relationship. We have to understand the very first thing you hear out of the Lord's Prayer, even though later it asks for forgiveness. It's about relationship. They're coming to God saying, Our Father. So relationship has already been established before this prayer was given. He said, You all are in relationship. And he's teaching people that are saved. Okay? He's teaching people that know the Father. So he said, This is the way that we're going to pray. Our Father. It's out of relationship. Then week two, we discover how to pray heaven on earth. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Pray in the will of the Father. And then week three, we looked at provision. We shouldn't worry about provision until we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When we seek relationship first out of the Father, he said, don't even worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Today, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer and aspect of being pardoned. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, both services have been tight today, from worship into the preaching, which is unusual. I believe that the enemy would love to bring warfare against such a service as this for what I'm preaching. And I know that. I know that. So I want you to open up your, your minds, your hearts today, because this is really going to be one of those challenging messages. And the devil knows. He wants to, he wants to try to distract you. So I want you to realize that there is an enemy at war that we cannot see. And that God is here to bring freedom to people. And this is one, probably one of the hardest messages for preachers to preach. I may have preached it four times. Not this message in particular. I never actually preached on forgiving, receiving forgiveness, and forgiving others in this manner that I have. And, but I have preached along these lines before, but, but never from these scriptures. So let's go ahead and start today, all right? There's these two monks. They're walking or traveling. They come up on this bridge. There's a woman there that wanted to get to the other side. And the woman's that's all she told them. I just want to get to the other side. So the monks put, them, put her on their back. They take her to the other side. They drop her off the other side of the bridge. The monks keep walking. Some time goes by. Right around five miles go by. One of the monks is just walking all uh, bent over. And the other monks right straight up. The one that's bent over looked at the one straight up. Said, you're walking straight. He said, yeah. He said, you're walking bent. Why are you walking bent? He said, because we carried that person across the bridge. I've been doing that ever since we carried that crippled lady across that bridge. He said, I, let, he said, I quit being bent over five miles ago. So I say that to say this today. There are things that have happened in our past that is destroying our today and ruin our tomorrow. 
There are things that we are still bent over that is so far in yesterday. But yet it's yesterday's pain. It's yesterday's frustration. It's yesterday's betrayal. We are living our lives bent over due to something that has taken place in our past that has not been addressed with the biblical principle of forgiveness. Now, so many relationships have been severed, damaged, through someone else not willing to forgive. Matthew 6 and 12 says this, And forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. Now, after talking about our Father, hallowed be your name, talking about relationship and making his name great, and submitting to the will of God and praying your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done. And then receiving provision. The very next thing in line is that Jesus tells the disciples that you need to receive forgiveness and you need to give people forgiveness. Wow, now that's a lot. You don't know what they've done to me. Well, scripturally and biblically, you have to forgive. And we're going to look at this today. All right? What does forgiveness mean? All right, let me give you the first thing. It's not the full example, but here it goes. Forgiveness is a decision and not an emotion. If you make forgiveness, I told you to be quiet today. Y'all don't make me nervous, all right? I'm going to make y'all nervous today. But if you base forgiveness off of emotion, and I don't know if you've been there before, but when I've had a hard time and someone's done me wrong, today I may be okay with it due to my emotion, but tomorrow I may be mad all over again. That's when I have based my forgiveness off emotion. When you make it off of a decision, no matter what your emotions try to say, you push your emotions aside and say, I'm making a decision, I'm letting this go. Now, your emotions have to sometimes catch up with your decision, and that's something we wrestle through. It may take a few weeks. It may take a season, but you decide to forgive, and then eventually your emotions catch up with the strong decision you've made. If you define forgiveness as a feeling, then you will determine forgiveness by how you are feeling at that very moment, and emotions can change day to day on certain issues. We know that. Now, here's another one. Forgiveness is a decision. To relieve a person from an obligation or debt incurred because of an infraction or sin against you. So when someone has hurt you, they might not be you in particular. It may be somebody in your family. But they've hurt you and it's like a sin or an infraction against you. And forgiveness is to relieve that person of that. So when you decide to do that, regardless of the emotion you're feeling, you're operating in the biblical principle of forgiveness. Now in the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive our debts. Why? Because sin rings up a bill. That's actually what the word debt means there. When he says forgive our debt, it means an incurring bill. Debt means an incurring, incurring a bill. So we have a debt that cannot be paid by anything we have done, but Jesus paid our debt. We know because of the death of Christ and the burial of Christ and the resurrection that our debt that we by no means could pay, Jesus paid the ultimate price by giving himself up on the cross and dying for our sins and shedding his blood that our iniquity and our sin would be blotted out and wiped out and we'd be given a clean slate because of the cross of Christ. It is a debt that you and I could not pay, but Christ paid it for us. Now, the first kind of forgiveness is legal forgiveness. This is a word in, the word in Scripture for legal forgiveness is a courtroom term that we use justification. 
And you can define justification as this. You're not guilty and you have been declared righteous. In other words, the judge has acquitted you. You go before the judge. So you did some wrong. He's like, all right, we're going to wipe this one out. This is your first offense, whatever. We're going to wipe it out. We are going to justify you. We're going to quit you of this uh, guilt that you have. And justification, the best description or definition I could give it, just as if I have never sinned. So when he justifies us, it means just as if when the Father sees me, it's like I have never sinned before because of the way he's acquitted me by the blood of Christ. Now, that's, this is a legal forgiveness. He's not talking about, uh, he is not talking about legal forgiveness because as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are in legal forgiveness already. So you got to understand, it's already relationship. Because of legal forgiveness, we all enter relationship with Christ. But the Lord's Prayer is not talking about that form of forgiveness. The form of forgiveness that the Lord's Prayer is talking about is a relational forgiveness. It's a relational. It's for people that's already entered relationship with Jesus. Hope you're taking notes today. Relational forgiveness is about being in fellowship with the Father. That's what it's about. When we sin against God, we are breaking fellowship with God. That's what we are doing. We are legally bound... But we are not intimately connected. It'd be like, okay, you're serving God, you're doing really great, but man, you really mess up like an hour from now. Or tomorrow, you really mess up. In that moment, it's like you break fellowship for a moment. You're still legally in relationship. You're legally a son and daughter of God, but that fellowship in that moment, so you repent and you enter right back into that fellowship. And the best way I can describe this, and I hope you're okay with this, but when I was, when I first became a father, when we was at the hospital, I was excited to do anything I could for Ethan. I mean, I was like the poopy diaper changing king. All right? I didn't mind. Like, Chris had to change diapers until she got home. I didn't mind. I mean, it was, you know, you got those guys that can't change a poopy diaper. And I understand, okay, it's you and that. But I looked at Chris and said, I can do all the poopy diapers, but if this kid pukes, I'm out. <laughs> I, I'm that guy. Right now, if you started puking right now, I would start gagging and have to walk out the room. <laughs> now, I know none of y'all do TikTok because every one of you are saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but have you seen that husband and wife on there on their videos that he would gag and she gag instantly? So it's kind of gross, but it's funny at the same time. But he catches her doing that, and, and that's me. Like, not if you actually gag. If I really believe it's puke, in my mind it's puke, I start gagging. So what happened is, is when if Ethan would puke, which was very seldom. Like, I, I, I mean, I can only think of a few times he ever did that. But when he did, I mean, it, Chris is like, you're just ridiculous. I mean, she just womaned up. On all that in that moment, just looking at me like, you just went out of this room. But I'm literally gagging, coughing, all kinds of crazy stuff, all right? But so when Ethan would puke, it would break fellowship with me in that moment, okay? I'd have to leave the room. There was no fellowship. I would have to literally leave the room. And when she cleaned the puke up, I could enter back into the room and fellowship was brought. Now, when he puked, he didn't break legal fellowship. We already, I'm his father. No matter what happens, I'm his father, right? So, but in that moment of that close fellowship, I have to leave the room in that moment. But I had a mediator in that moment by the name of Kristen, a very good wife, good mother. She came in and she wiped it all out. And you and I have an incredible mediator. 
that when there's times we have broken fellowship with the Father, we are still legal. Come on, I'm about to preach now. We are legal sons and daughters of God. We've been saved, sanctified, washed clean, full of the Spirit. But in those times that we mess up, even when we didn't mean to, and we might break a little bit of fellowship, that I could come back to the Father because of my mediator Christ Jesus, the man, the mediator Christ. And he wipes me clean. All right, y'all are now declared more alive than the 9 a.m. already. All right, thank you, Jesus. We're here, Lord. Thank you. But now when we sin against God, we, we are legally bound to forgiveness and still have relationship. But our fellowship sometimes becomes broken in those moments that we do that. Now, 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we have people that need to enter back maybe in fellowship today. I don't know. Maybe it's you and the Lord. You need to enter back into fellowship. But God is faithful to forgive us of our sins and declare us righteous again in his presence. There are a lot of people that have had experience in Christ, but it's been a long time since they fellowship with him. So you need to enter back into fellowship with God. Since we know that forgiveness is not an emotion, but a decision, how do we know that forgiveness has been sought and acted upon? How do we know? How do we know that? Well, here we go. Forgiveness has occurred when you are not seeking to retaliate against the person that's offended you. In other words, you stop bringing up yesterday into today because you've truly let it go. But when you bring up the events of yesterday and the present, it's only because you're trying to use it to cause pain. I've been there. I brought up the stuff before just to cause pain because I thought it made me feel better. Was I right? No, I was dead wrong because I was wounded and hurt, and I couldn't even use that as an excuse because it still was not right in what I did. I've done that before. What would retaliating be in knowing how you would be holding unforgiveness towards another person when you're constantly trying to hurt someone else's character from time to time? Even in moments, you can use it as an emotion. You can use it as a spiritual moment. You can play it any way to. You can be the most innocent person playing it out, but you're still hurting their character. So it shouldn't be brought up. You bring it up to people that, that, ha that haven't forgiven, that, that you haven't forgiven, and every time their name's brought up, you get mad or angry because our name is brought up. Or when a situation comes up that reminds you, then you feel anger and your blood pressure going back up. And, and, and you get angered in moments a certain person because just their name. Or maybe they walk through the door. I was in a conversation this week with some guys outside church. I was just listening. I was like a bystander. It was more them talking. I happened to be there. And they, someone mentioned someone's name. And he said, I started smiling. I'm like, I've been there. I didn't judge him because I'm like, I have been there. I know what that feels, and that's not a good feeling. He said, if they walk through this door right now, I'll hit them right in the teeth. I went, oh, my Lord. <laughs> Jesus, don't let so-and-so walk in here right now. Hear my plea. <laughs> I have forgiven everybody. I've been forgiven by you. I know you're hearing my prayer, you know. But it's so true. It's so true. And I was like, man, I've been there before. I mean, I've had people sized up in my mind before. Like, I'll take them out. <laughs> you're like, you're, and it wasn't because they hurt me. It's because they hurt my dad. I've been very open with this over the years for 18 months. And while I was a young evangelist, before I ever pastored a church, for 18 months, I just wanted to whip a guy that hurt my dad. I mean, I just wanted to whip him. I said, I'm ready to take him out. I mean, it's a true feel. I didn't like it. After a few months of carrying that around, me justifying it, then I started praying, God, you're going to have to help me with this. This thing's deep. 
this thing is horrible. I don't need this in my life. And I'm just being real with you today. You're like, you mean you use preachers? Listen, preachers deal with stuff too. I promise you, I'm not angelic. I don't have wings. I don't float in here and float out. I know a bunch of you all do that. You float in and float out angelically. I'm a little facetious today. But we've all heard that statement, I will forgive and not forget. You know, that's true, though. We don't forget. We really don't. We, we don't have the capability of forgetting. But we can forgive. One day we are going to be held accountable for every word, idle word we've been given or said, according to Scripture. But think about it. There's some things we said we've had asked for forgiveness for, but we're going to be held accountable one day. Still. Yet even though we make it to the, the pearly gates and we're... With, with Jesus in heaven, but one day we're still going to be held accountable for every idle word. So our words is power, and they mean something. All right? But if God chooses to forget our sins, but one day he's going to bring our words back up. All right? Apparently. But he says with our sin, he casts them afar from the east to the west to no longer be remembered. But there's a different meaning I want to bring with this today. Okay? Of with us and with God. Okay? It's okay to forgive and not forget, but hear me out. Hear me out. That statement's okay as long as you're not being spiteful with us to yet holding unforgiveness. God knows everything. He, he knows everything. If God knows everything, then he may not forget everything. Maybe he remembers it, but maybe him forgetting something has a different meaning all towards it. Because every time we sin, we crucify Christ afresh. And his son went through the pain. And the trial that you and I and took the lashes that you and I caused. It was our sin. But he don't hold that against us. But he definitely remembers the cross of Christ, his son, given his son. And the Bible says in Hebrews 66, If they fall away to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God, to put an open shame. The Bible, when the, what the Bible means by forgiving and forgetting is not just a forgetting what happened. It's no longer letting what happened having the impact now that it happened when it happened. That's the key. Well, what do you mean, Joseph? Let's look at Joseph really quick. In the Old Testament, Genesis 41, 51 says this, God made me forget all my hardship and all my father's house. If you know the story of Joseph, throw that up for me, Genesis 41, if you would, please. But God has made me forget all of my hardship and, uh, uh, and all my father's house. What does that mean? Like, Joseph was betrayed and sold into slavery. His brothers didn't like him. He was the father's favorite. And since that, he, they got rid of him. But he went through all kinds of stuff. He's accused of things that he didn't do. He's put in prison. He was sold. He's placed in a pit. All those horrible things. But he said, God made me forget. But in verse 20 of chapter 59 chapters later, he said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So he actually didn't forget it. He remembered it, but what happened, he didn't forgive it. He simply dismissed the impact of what it did to him. You may remember, but you've got to dismiss the impact of it. The night that I actually forgave the person that hurt my dad, and I've told you all, and if you heard this, you've been with me for 12 years, this is at least your third or fourth time hearing this story, okay? But bear with me. There's a guy I hadn't seen since I was 16 years old. He was really a prophet. If you've never met a prophet, they're kind of, they, they come off a little bit different, okay? And, and I mean, it was a trooper. It wasn't just a self-declared, didn't go around the door, but man, he can read your mail. You come in the room, he'll tell you what you had for breakfast. It's wild. He had a close relationship with God. So it was about six years since I seen this guy. Heard he was in town. He called, let us know he's in town. 
And, I mean, he knew who I was. I came to see him six years. I haven't told him none of my story. I'm the one that talked to him. My dad didn't talk to him. Nobody in the family had talked to him. But there was a preacher that canceled the last two nights of revival, the last night of revival. He came four hours away to fill in that last night. And he's not a revival preacher. He talks very low, very calm. And I went that night. We went into the end of the service. This guy's off service the last forever. I'll go to my church and I'll go to his church. It's one of those things. We was there until 1 a.m. that night. But I got there about, I don't know, 8.45 on a Wednesday night. He still prayed for people at the altar. When I got there, he pointed at me. I said, Scotty, come up here. He said, Your dad, he, uh, he said, Harry, come up here. That's my dad's name. So here we are. We're standing in front of him. He said, there's somebody that has hurt your dad that you haven't forgave. I begin to weep. I'm like, I've been praying for a year for this thing to get out of me. How does this guy know? He said, right now, if you'll say that guy's name. And I didn't say it loud. I didn't scream for the whole church here. It was like an intimate thing. He said, if you say his name and say, I forgive him, you're going to be released tonight. That moment I was released. Every time I've ever preached on this subject, God has allowed many people to release themselves from being in a prison of unforgiveness. So I'm going to go ahead and prepare you today. Today, if you're dealing with that, the anointing's here to deliver you out of it. So you may remember what happened five years ago, but you can dismiss the pain. In other words, it no longer destroys your day, your week, your relationships, and the season of your life. It shouldn't destroy a day because you relive something that happened five years. It should not bring you down a hole. That means you've not letting go. That means you don't allow God to heal you of it. Listen, I've came face to face with that guy so many times. I hug him. He has no clue I felt that way. But during those 18 months, I'm glad I didn't run into him because I think I might have won a fight. And I've never been at my fighting weight, and I've never been a fighter. But that's just the way I felt. I'm like, this isn't good to live like this. This is not the way the Lord would have me to live. But, man, I'll tell you what. I could come face to face with that guy and have the best time in talking. And I had, I can, I don't, I never forgotten it. But I'll tell you what, that pain never comes back because our God, when he delivers, he just don't halfway. He just doesn't do it 90% or 99. He 100% takes away that thing that you lived in your past. So I believe today it's time to let it go. So you forgive people even when they haven't even asked for it. Have you ever had that? People didn't ask for forgiveness. Well, they didn't ask. Until they asked for it, I'm not going to let it go. No, that's not the way it goes scripturally. That a unilateral Forgiveness is forgiving when a person has not even asked for it. No one said sorry or repented. Unilateral forgiveness happens for a few reasons. First, because such a small thing that really don't matter. It's not worth holding on to. Secondly, because they refuse to say they're sorry. But you got to live a good life before God and you need to let it go. Thirdly, because they can't and they die. And even though they did some hurtful things, you still have to let it go. By not forgiving someone, the only one that's hostage is really you. Amen. Do you really think that you're holding them hostage because you're angry? This is the way I describe it. They're going down the, the downslope of a roller coaster, getting ready to hit a loop, and they're having the time of their life while you're held in prison. What does being hostage look like in holding unforgiveness? One time, me and Kristen, we bought a brand new Corolla. And we bought that right when we first started pastoring in Gilbert. She took her grandmother to the doctor and she took it to the doctor that morning came back out there's a huge dent on the front of her vehicle i mean i'm talking about huge like with someone just don't hit and run without leaving a note you know but you're like oh they didn't notice no you don't understand i mean this thing was the size of two of my heads and it was just i mean it was in there 
And, and but you know, me and Chris had talked about it for a little while. But we turned in the insurance. We was like, well, do we want to pay for this? Do we turn in the insurance? What do, what do we need to do? But everywhere we went, we talked about our dent. You wouldn't believe what somebody done to me. It's like we almost became proud of our dent. <laughs> I know y'all's never been there either. Well, you wouldn't believe the dent that was left. They ran off, you know. Well, I was doing a good, I took my grandmother to the doctor. You know, I done a good deed. So, you know, you go on about that, but then people say, do y'all realize you got a dent in your car? We want to go, no, did not know that we're at, you know. <laughs> Y'all's never had that either, have you? But, you know, for a couple of weeks, we was, we was reminded every day of the fraction of sin that was committed against us, if you would. Even though that we was doing a good deed, we would like, every time we get in a car, we reminded of it. We would talk about it. We would, you know, we would tell people about it in conversation. But when one day we finally said, you know what, we got insurance. The deductible's $500. This insurance is going to take care of our dent. Even though the person that hit the car did not repent, we were still covered. Can I tell you today, even though the other person didn't repent and the other person is unconcerned, the way they wounded you, hurt you, you have insurance called the blood of Jesus Christ that it is paid for. It can be fixed. You can be delivered. No more dents in your life. The grace of God is there for you to be forgiven and to receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness. You know, too many people are walking around with dents in their soul when Jesus supplied the insurance. Acts 7, incredible story. Stephen was being brought before the people persecuting the church, he's preaching the gospel. And just for preaching the gospel, they started stoning him. But he said this to God. He said, God, don't hold this against them. Don't hold this sin against them. Stephen didn't look at the dent in his life. And he didn't look at the stones that has been thrown at him. But he looked at Jesus. And the Bible says that he's seen Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. If you keep looking at your dents and your bruises and your wounds and your past, and have it holding on to unforgiveness, then you'll never see Jesus. But if you get your eyes off the dent, you'll begin to see Jesus. Unilateral forgiveness is when you forgive, when no one else apologizes, you decide to forgive. Now let's move to transactional forgiveness. Transactional forgiveness is some amount of restoration is sought to reboot a relationship as much as as the situation will allow. Unilateral forgiveness, there's no, there's no reckless reconciliation of relationship, but transactional, there's some sort of a reboot of the relationship, and they begin to work on the relationship. The goal of transactional forgiveness is to heal a broken relationship. See, forgiveness is both legal and relational. It's legal because God's declared it legal. It, it, it's relational because it brings us closer to the Father. The Bible says, we read the text today, that for us to forgive, forgive us of our debts, also have forgiven our debtors. That we would forgive our debtors. The people that has incurred a sin or has done something against us. When he said that, we're going to skip verse 13. But verse 12 of the Lord's Prayer is talking about us forgiving others and receiving forgiveness. So let's look at verse 14 and 15. Here we go. For if for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You mean to tell me if I hold unforgiveness, then the Lord is going to withhold 
his forgiveness from me. If I withhold forgiveness, then the Lord is going to withhold forgiveness. Yes. People don't like to hear that. That's when it gets tight in the house. We must be willing to forgive. God's like, why would I give you something then you not be willing to give it? Forgive our debts to the same degree we forgive our debtors. We are to receive forgiveness, and the way we receive it, we are to give it. How do you do that? Because the power of Christ works in your life. A refusal to forgive the bill someone owes you will cause God not to forgive the bill you owe him. The bill you owe him is bigger than the bill someone else owes you. Hear that. The bill you owe God is bigger than a bill that anyone could ever owe you. And he still paid your bill. Maybe they hurt you ten times, you still got to forgive them. Maybe they hurt you every day, still got to forgive them. Matthew 18 tells us this story. There's this king. There's this man that comes before him, and in today's money, if you don't mind, take that scripture down, hold it back just for a moment. Matthew 18. Thank you. I don't want y'all getting ahead of me and seeing where I'm going. I like that. I can see it on the screen back there. So, Matthew 18, the king has this man come before him and in today's money owes him $20 million in today's money. He said, I'll pay you when I can, king. I'll pay you when I can. And the king says, you know what? You can't pay me. That's fine. I'm going to forgive your debt. That man that just had his debt forgiven leaves there and goes to a man that owes him $20,000 in today's money and says to him, I want that money. So the king hears about it. What does the king do? The king brings him back and says, you know what? I'm not going to forgive your debt like I said. I'm going to throw you back into prison until you can pay that debt. Now we can go to Matthew 18.35. This is what it says at the end of that parable Jesus spoke. It says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Do you know it's in Scripture that if you have unforgiveness in your heart, that it will block your prayers from getting answered? One of the most famous Scriptures and one of my favorite Scriptures in all Bible, and don't go there yet until I hit it, Mark 11. Mark 11 is an incredible Scripture. It talks about moving mountains and mountain-moving faith. It says if you can speak to this mountain that's before you and cast it into the sea, that you can move mountains. Your mountains is when your children have something. Your mountains is when you need your relationship healed. Your mountains could be financial. Your mountains could be relation. We all have mountains. We all have them. We all have mountains. Every one of us. That's verses 23 and 24 of Mark 11. But the very next verse, 25. Everybody, nobody wants to go to verse 25 and 26 because this is what it says. Here we go. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. He connected this to mountain-moving faith. If you want prayers answered, then you've got to forgive. If you want breakthroughs and a life of blessing and favor, you've got to forgive. 
If you want favor and blessing and miracles and victory in your life, then you've got to forgive. Let me throw this at you today. Unforgiveness traps you into your own prison. I want to break out of my prison. I've been there. I don't like it. I've been in prison to sin. I've been in prison to sin of unforgiveness. I've been in the prison of the sin of bitterness. I don't want that. I know what it feels like when it tries to creep on me. I'm like, not again, devil. No, 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 no. This is going to be a decision that my emotions will not rule, but the Spirit of God will touch my spirit and tell my mind, my will, and emotions, no to this prison. I don't know if any of y'all ever watched Forrest Gump. Jenna. One day Forrest and Jenna. I know I'm probably not even saying it right, but I'm trying. Work with me. They're walking down the road one day. Forrest and Jenna, and Jenna gets mad at this barn and begins to throw stones at it, rocks at it. And she's doing it, she's so mad and bitter because she's been wounded and hurt in that barn many times. Some of you have had your own barn and been wounded and hurt. I'm talking about probably raped, probably abused, way before you should ever been touched, touched in the wrong way. Maybe even an ugly divorce, things forced you didn't want forced. That is your barn. But can I tell you, as Jenny kept throwing stones at it, Forrest had his one of his most popular. He said, Sometimes, Jenny, there's just not enough stones or enough rocks to throw. In other words, it's not going to fix it. Throwing your stones and having them in your hand is not going to heal you of what's been done to you. How you've been betrayed and frustrated and through pain. But I'll go ahead and tell you that all the pain you've ever been through does not compare to what Christ did up on the cross. And he took up on the most gruesome pain and the most gruesome challenge and took on lashes so that we could be set free and healed of our frustrations and pain in this world. I'm preaching this because I don't want you in prison. I don't want you in hurt. I don't want you in pain. But as much as this preacher don't want you, I cannot tell you that the God of heaven is saying, release your wounds and your pains. Ask for forgiveness and give forgiveness. How do you know you've decided? You don't bring it up anymore. You don't talk about it anymore. You don't hang it over somebody's head. Don't block God due to unforgiveness. Sometimes our greatest unforgiveness is not what others have done, but our regrets of what we've done. Let yourself out of your prison. Will you stand with me today? Every head bowed. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Scotty, I need to give my life to the Lord today. That's me. I need to give my life to the Lord. The Lord's dealing with me today. But I need to ask for forgiveness today first. If that's you today, I'm not going to be cookie cutter with it. But if that's you and you say, I want forgiveness today, will you raise your hand? Just hold it up for a moment so I can see it today. Say, it's me. I need forgiveness. God bless that hand. God bless that hand. God bless that hand. God bless that hand. Anybody else in the house today? Five hands up today. Six hands. Seven hands. Yes, you put it right back down. Thank you. Anybody else, just put your hand up and down. Yes, eight hands up today in the house. 
thankful today. There's going to be so much forgiveness happening here in a moment. Anybody else? I don't want to move too quickly, but I'm not one that sits here and browbeats the moment, okay? I'm not going to bring my pressure. I let the Holy Spirit do the work. Anybody else? Just put your hand up and down. Yes. There'll be nine hands today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, ten hands go up today. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Yes, another hand today. Thank you, Jesus. It's 11 hands today. This is what I want to do. I want us all pray this prayer of repentance together and ask the Lord to forgive us today. But I want us all to pray this. And I believe if you have an offense, if you have unforgiveness in this prayer, God's going to release you. Okay? Not only those that's in prison to sin, but those that's in prison to other things as well, such as an offense or been wounded or unforgiveness. So in this prayer, let's all pray. Here we go. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying for me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, today, help me through your grace. Forgive others as you've forgiven me. Let me be released from the prison of sin and the prison of unforgiveness. Today, I declare freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we rejoice in the house today for freedom in our hearts? Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.